Um, as Jess said, I want to talk to you uh, about the heart of the Christian message. And, and that is basically that no one, no one is too far um, from the Father's reach. Um, then I appreciate this afternoon there's going to be a kind of bit of a mix in the room. There'll be some people that call themselves Christians, uh, and there'll be some people who say, actually, I'm not. Uh, and within that, you might have people who are sympathetic or people who are a bit opposed uh, to the things of Christianity. Uh, for me personally, I used to think along the lines of, uh, of God as being a bit of a, like a strict dad, which is quite a scary thought, isn't it? Uh, but like, you, basically, if he sees you doing something he doesn't quite like, you might just get zapped with lightning at any given moment. And uh, that's quite scary for someone like, it's, it's God, so he sees everything. He knows there's no, no kind of hiding anything from him. Um, but that's kind of how I used to process it. Um, but the good news is that that's not what it's about. And I want to share with you this afternoon um, through uh, my own story, uh, a, verse, um, a verse from the Bible, and also a story that Jesus told, actually a bit more about uh, kind of the father heart of God. Um, so kicking off with my story um, is basically I, was, um, uh, I grew up in a, in a Christian household. Uh, so I grew up kind of going to church. Um, but things started to unravel a bit for me when I was about 14 years old, uh, in that my parents um, split up, and um, it caused a, obviously it was a bit of a shock, it came as a bit of a surprise to me, and, and it caused a lot of issue within the family, obviously, and I was, I was kind of really disillusioned with church, I was like, hang on, we we're meant to be like this Christian family, isn't things, you know, aren't things meant to go well for us, and isn't everything meant to like finish happily ever after, and all this kind of stuff, and um, yeah, so I was really confused, and I got quite angry, and I guess the way I kind of vented that was I kind of just, just put church aside, uh, and I just went off partying with my mates a lot, so kind of 15, 16-year-old, that's where I was. I was lying to my mum, I was kind of saying, yeah, mum, just go and stay around a friend's house, and I was, but we'd go off to have a house party, and I'd have too much to drink, and I'd be a bit of an idiot, and, and that's kind of what I was into, and that's the way I was expressing myself, and the way I was venting, I guess. And um, it, it came a point where uh, I kind of looked at myself and I thought, this, this isn't particularly good because all I'm doing is I'm, I get angry when I, when I have too much to drink. I can get a bit physical. I'm not, uh, not really, yeah, I'm, I'm being horrible to some of my mates as well and then my friends. Um, and I, I was just doing stupid things. I remember like running down a street and running on people's roofs and stuff like that. It's like, who does that? It's like, that's not good. If someone did that to my car, I don't know what I'd do. But I wouldn't be very pleased with them. So that's, that's who I was, and that's what I was about. So I, I wouldn't describe myself uh, as a good person. Um, but actually, despite all of that, despite all of that and all that I was doing, um, actually God uh, broke into my life. And he did that through people, through uh, Christians, who would just love me and just were patient with me. Uh, and he did it through his word, the Bible. And uh, it wasn't like I was really looking for Christianity. It wasn't like I was really looking for God. Uh, but he kind of found me in that place. And I came to the realisation that uh, despite the fact that I, w- I was a sinner, uh, that Christ had died for me. You see, I wasn't too far um, from the Father's reach. The verse I want to um, uh, look at uh, is, is from a book called Romans. So if you know um, uh, much about the Bible, if you don't know much about the Bible, it's kind of split into two parts. Um, the first part being the Old Testament, uh, and the second part being the New Testament, and that's where this is from. It's more kind of uh, obviously focused around Jesus, uh, and it says this, it's up behind me, it says, God, but God uh, shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Um, at this moment, I'd like to get a couple of people up. So if uh, John, if you could join me up the front here. And we've got Matt at the back. Now you're going to have to use your imagination a little bit at this point. Because uh, Matt's actually playing the role of God. And as stunning as he is, he's not quite there. And this is, this is John. And he's going to represent humanity for us. Okay? And you can see there's kind of a bit of a gap at the moment between humanity and God. Um, and actually, John is representing, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to generalize a little bit, but two types of humanity. Okay? Type one is going to be you know, the religious, spiritual people who are good and look to do good things and be good to people and be kind and walk people across the road, all that kind of stuff. Maybe re- read religious texts and, um, and pray prayers and all that, all that. Uh, but he's also representing type two. Okay, and type two are kind of the people who are just kind of like, I don't believe there is a God, or uh, if there is a God, I'm not particularly interested in him because I'm not good enough for him, so why would I bother? Why would I even try? Because I'm not going to be good enough for him. So that's, that's John, and he's, he's kind of facing this way, and he's, he's kind of doing things. So type one is kind of doing things and being busy and, and kind of roughly trying to get to God. So if you could just do things, like, yeah, looking really busy... Um, but actually, you can see he's not getting any closer to God. Okay? But what the verse is kind of saying is actually God shows his love for us in this. While we are still sinners, while we're still in this place far from God, uh, Christ died for us. Um, so really, what, what we're saying this afternoon is actually what John needs to do is type 1 and type 2. It doesn't matter which type of person you are. Okay? All that you need to be doing is turning round. Okay? You're not going to do it just yet. So hold on. But in a moment, John's going to turn around. And what that shows, the Bible talks about repentance, and it talks about us turning our lives around, us kind of acknowledging and accepting, actually, I've got things wrong. I've gone my own way. I've, I've done what I want to do. Uh, and I'm, I, actually, I actually need to get right with God. And, and that's what the Bible talks about is repentance. So, John, you're going to turn around. And then as soon as we do that, as soon as we do that, the Father, uh, God comes running down, uh, and he gives us a lovely... Big hug. Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you, guys. I thought you did so well. Um, so that's, that's a bit about uh, the, the point I'm making. Actually, um, Jesus uh, tells a story uh, a bit like this as well. And the story goes like this. There's a father, and he has two sons. And the youngest son, he's kind of got itchy feet, and he wants to go off and experience the world, and he wants to live for the moment. And he goes to his dad and he says, Dad, I don't know how to say this, but I want my inheritance. Basically, I wish you were dead. Give me the money I'm entitled to. Pretty shocking, right? But his dad does it, so he's got his money, and off he goes. Um, and he toddles off to a, a far, far country, far away from his, from his dad, far from his father. And he goes, and he does everything he wants to do. He's, he's living it up, he's partying, he's got all this money. Uh, but as we know inevitably the money goes and he's kind of left there with nothing in this distant country Uh, and then not only that but a famine uh, hits that land as well so it's a desperate time for him he's in a bit of a a bit of a tight situation now Um, and he he basically at this point he gets a job Um, he gets a job with uh, a guy and he's, he's tending to pigs now I don't know if you've been to middle farm lately but this is a bit of an aside, sorry, but pigs smell, right? There is, it's a stench that really, like, it knocks you back a bit, okay? But they, they, they can be quite cute, but generally they're quite revolting. 
And um, actually, in, this, in, in, in the culture that Jesus was speaking to, uh, it was even worse than that. They were seen as unclean. People wouldn't have anything to do with pigs. So actually, the, the, the point he's making is this, this guy is at like the lowest point. It doesn't get any worse than this, basically. Um, and he's kind of looking at these pigs, and he's longing to feed himself with what the pigs are eating. He's that desperate. And uh, he kind of comes to his senses and thinks, what am I doing? What am I doing? My dad has got servants, servants that eat. They've got more bread than they need. And I'm sitting here starving to death. What am I doing? So he, he toddles off and he starts walking back home. And some of you might be able to relate to this when you kind of, you know you've got to apologise, you know you're in the wrong. And uh, you're just kind of walking along thinking about it and stewing over it a bit. And he's doing that and he's kind of practising his, his sorry speech. And he's kind of saying, yeah, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry, I've, I've messed up against you. I've, I've messed up against everything we believe in. And uh, I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Uh, but I will be a servant in your house. So that's kind of the angle he was going for. And the story says that while he was still away, while he was still far off, um, the father saw him, the dad saw him. Now, at this point, he could have had many reactions, couldn't he? But it says the dad was filled, filled with compassion. To the point where he ran, he ran after the son. Okay, And again, in those times, men... They didn't run like that. It was embarrassing. But he did. He just ran. He didn't care. He just ran. And he got hold of him. And he hugged him. And he cuddled him. And he kissed him. And he brought him in close. A bit more than we saw up here just a moment ago. Um, and, and obviously the son started doing his speech. He started saying, right, well, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry. I've, I've messed up against you. And I've, I've, I've messed up against everything we believe in. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Uh, but if you'll accept me, I'll, I'll be a servant in your house. And his dad wasn't hearing a word of it. Not a word. He said, forget that. And he called to his servants. He said, bring a robe. Bring a, let's put a ring on his finger. These, these are signs of, actually, you are still my son. I still love you. You're still accepted in my family. You still have a massive part in this family. Uh, and not only that, he said, right, kill the fattened calf. We're going to feast. We're going to celebrate. Why? Because this, my son, was dead. And now he's alive. He was lost. And now he's found. You see, at points in the story, the, son, the second son, the boy, was, was far. In every way, he was far from, uh, from the father. In every sense of the word. Uh, but no one is too far from the father's reach. Jesus told the story uh, as a way of communicating something of of God's heart, the father heart of God. And actually, we can be like that youngest son. And we can go off, and we can do our own thing, and live for us, and do what we want to do. Um, and actually, the father could have reacted in many ways to the son. I think, actually, how would I react if, you know, my boys had grown up, and, and maybe Adam had gone off and done that? I, I don't know, maybe I would have, you know, the temptation would be just, okay, you made your bed, you made your choice, you've got to live with that now. But that's not God's heart. That's not uh, what we see here. Actually, despite all of the failings, despite the rejection and the hurt that that son had caused, the moment his son turned up, he was there. He was running towards him. He ran. He ran towards him. He grabbed him. He cuddled him. He kissed him. He said, you are, you're my son still. I'm not having you as a servant. You are my son. 
But how's that possible? How's it possible for, for a God, a holy, perfect God, um, to, to kind of do that, to kind of mingle with, with us if we're, if we're sinners, if we're, if we're not kind of good enough for him? We'll come back to the verse now, that whilst, uh, whilst we were st- still sinners, uh, Christ died for us. You see, in that moment um, on the cross, uh, Jesus took the punishment that we deserve for rejecting God, for going our own way. Uh, but not only that, not only did he take that upon himself, but for those who believe and trust in him, he gave us a gift. And that gift was his perfection. You see, because Jesus was the only man in all of history who has ever lived the perfect life, who's ever lived up to God's standards. Okay, And he did that, and, and then he died in our place for us. So that actually there can be this trade, and it's the best, it's the best deal going. All we, get to, all we do is we bring our sin and our shame and our disgrace and everything, and we just bring that and say, this is all I've got to bring. This is it. And he says, well, this is what you're getting. And he gives us his perfect right standing before God the Father. It's amazing. So it's kind of like um, a substitution, I guess. And I used to play football, not to a particularly high level, but we're going to pretend in this story that I did. Okay, so in this story, you can imagine I'm, I'm playing football, there's thousands of people watching, and I'm having an absolute howler, which is a shame because this is my dream. Okay, but I've scored an own goal, I've given away a penalty, we're 2 0 down. Everything's going wrong. Everything's going wrong. Every time I get the ball, I give it away. And the manager finally comes to his senses and goes, we're getting it. Will goes, we're getting him off. He's awful. So up goes, up goes the substitution board. My number, number 16, comes on. Number 7 uh, is this new guy that we've signed called Jesus. Not the one that plays for Manchester City. And, and this is it's Jesus, and obviously he's, he's amazing here. Why was he even on the bench? But he comes on. He saves the day, doesn't he, of course? He scores a hat-trick, and we win 3-2. And everyone's happy. Everyone's re- I'm relieved because it was all my fault. Was, you know, my bad. Um, but something strange starts happening. Actually, after the game, people start like, kind of congratulating me. And not in, just in a way that I was on the winning team, because you know, I was, and despite not contributing anything to that. But actually in a way that's saying... You did that. You made that happen. And I was a bit confused. And then, and then actually, I, I realized as I took my shirt off in the changing rooms that, that I'd been wearing his shirt and that he must have been wearing mine. So that he was representing oh, everything he did that was good, I now get credited with. So I get all the plaudits, all the paper write ups, I get all the glory. And all I did was score an own goal and concede a penalty. But I get all of that. And actually, he's the one who gets maligned and mocked and laughed at and scoffed because he scored the own goal and the penalty. So that's a bit of a, a, bit of a picture about what it's like. We get to be winners uh, because of the victory that he won. It's an amazing deal. And that's what's on offer. Uh, this is why, when, uh, in that moment where John turned around, in that moment where we turned to him, that's why he can run down and meet us in that place. Wherever that place is for you. So as I said at the start, if, you were, if you're kind of on the spectrum of actually, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a Christian and I'm, I'm actually quite opposed to it or I'm maybe slightly sympathetic to it or I've never really thought about it. Wherever you're at, whatever you've done, whatever you've said, whatever you've thought, what you need to hear today is that you're not too far from the Father's reach. That no one is too far from the Father's reach.
And just as I, I come to finish, I'm just going to invite um, the three guys, uh, uh, Luke, Megan, and Rory, up. Because um, these guys have come to realise, uh, uh, actually, that, that this is true. Uh, and we're going to get them up now just so they can share a bit more about the impact that Jesus has had on their lives. There's a round of applause as they come up because it's scary. Cool. Thanks, Martin. Hi, I'm Amy. For anyone, obviously, we've got lots of people here who are visiting, which is great to, to have you with us. And I'm just going to um, bring up these guys. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to hear these stories of um, um, life transformation, like what Martin was talking about, about the turning around knowing Jesus and accepting what he's done for us. Um, now, this is Zoe. This is uh, Megan's mum. And Megan's going to be getting baptised in the pool in a bit, but Zoe's just going to share her story for her. Um, so why don't you tell us, we've got Megan's words written down here, so why don't you just read what's um, a bit about Megan's story? Of course, I'm a very youthful 15. Yeah. <laughs> you look amazing for 15. <laughs> so I'm 15, and in year 11, I was brought up going to church and have been going to this church for six years now. I became a Christian in 2013 at the Christian festival called New Day. On one of the evenings, a man was at the front talking about Jesus, and it was the first time that I really understood what Jesus had done for me on the cross. They were calling people to the front if they wanted to be prayed for and become Christians. So that's when I went forward and became a Christian. Since becoming a Christian, God has really helped me with my anxiety, and I want to be baptised to continue living this new life with him. And I would just say that I see you, Megan, struggle with that anxiety on a daily basis, but I also see you looking to God for strength and comfort on a daily basis. And I see that wonderful faith blossoming and growing, and it is just such a real privilege. So well done, sweetheart. Amen. Well done. So this is Rory. Whoop, whoop, Rory. Hi, Rory. So, Rory, why don't you start and tell us a bit about your story as well? So, I'm Rory and I'm 13 years old. Um, I've been a Christian for quite a few years now and I've been brought up in a Christian home with my mom, my dad, my older brother and sister. Uh, but in the past few years, God has really changed me as a person um, for the best. But in the past year especially, God has really broken into my life and made a lot of great things happen. Uh, my mom, Bev, shared a testimony uh, a few weeks ago and here and told um, about her how her health has dramatically improved just through prayer and this as well as many other things God has done in my life has made a big impact on my life and my relationship with Jesus um, and what God has done has really built my faith, uh, faith and has strengthened my relationship with God. Amazing and why do you want to get baptised today Rory? Um, Jesus makes quite a big impact like if, when I have Jesus in my life, um, having a heavenly father that loves me and cares for me, it really gives me a sense of security in Christ and having a loving God that you can give all your worries to and not have to worry about them because Jesus has it all in hand. And I want to get baptised today because I want to live for Jesus and getting baptised will mean I'll leave my old life behind and start a new life. I can't wait to see what God has to do in my life in the future. Amazing. Well done. <laughs> Come on. And this is Luke. And Luke, why don't you share with us your story as well? I'm Luke. I'm 16. Um, I'm, uh, before I was a Christian, I struggled with quite a confusing bullying situation at school. 
in year eight, and uh, it kind of gave me obsessive and compulsive behaviours. And um, I became a Chris Christian uh, in a conference uh, in Eastbourne in about 2013. Uh, I wasn't miraculously healed of my obsessive compulsive behaviours, but uh, all my fears and anxieties, but I have been on a journey and there's been some breakthrough. Um, God showed me recently, the per one of the, the main person who uh, like spread the rumour at school, he told me I should uh, speak to him. And I found this really kind of aggravating because um, I had so much anger towards him and just looking at his profile picture on Facebook just made me so angry. But um, the Holy Spirit gave me the, uh, gave me the courage to message him and I just had a chat saying, you know, how's college going? Yeah, it was all fine. And then uh, it kind of died down. I just said, you know, I just want to say I'm sorry if I've hurt you in the past. And he said, yeah, likewise. And there was just this instant release of all hatred towards him. It was just incredible. And uh, I could just feel the chains the enemy had over me, uh, using this hatred completely broken. And uh, uh, then I was like, hang on a second, he isn't a Christian. I need to invite him to church. I need to pray for him. What am I going to do? Um, <laughs> and then, um, so I recognized that Jesus helped me with this stress. And it's just everyday reassurance that my eternal destiny is secure and that any fears that I do have are completely irrelevant. That's wonderful. And why do you want to... Yeah, that's worth a clap. Um, and why do you want to get baptised today, Luke? Uh, well, I want to get baptised because I know it's the next step in a relationship with God. And um, I just want to publicly declare my faith in Jesus. And I've got a verse here that I like, um, and Martin shared it a few um, weeks ago, and it just says, it's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, these have come so that the proven uh, genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even, through, uh, even though refined by fire, may result in play, praise, glory, and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Amazing. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Well done, everyone. Okay, I'm just going to hand over to Jez. He's going to explain the next part of the morning. But thank you so much for sharing your amazing stories. It's so exciting to hear. And we can't wait to watch you getting dunked under. Well done, guys. Let's give him a hand again. We're going to respond together by singing one song before we go out. Uh, me, I just want to explain a little bit about what baptism is as John comes up to do that. Because uh, it's an unusual... It's an unusual ritual, an unusual symbol. Uh, the Bible um, is a story. And at one of the key moments in this story, God's people, the people of Israel, the people that God has chosen to bless and love, uh, are enslaved in the land of Egypt. And God, through miraculous intervention, um, en enables his people to go free. But part of their journey of freedom towards freedom is that they have to cross through the Red Sea. Many of us will know the story. Uh, Moses raises his staff up as a wind and the sea parts and they walk through the sea to freedom. Well, that story is an image of what baptism is all about. They go into the water and they come up out the other side free. And as Christians, we're baptized as a sign of our discipleship. Discipleship means we're students. We get baptized as a sign to the world that we want to be learners and followers of Jesus. And step one of that journey is saying, like the Israelites getting free from slavery in Egypt, we want to be free from self-centered living. We want to live for Jesus. And part of the journey towards that 
is that we enter the tank or enter a swimming pool. We go under the water, which is a symbol of death, of dying to our old life. And then we're brought up again to new life as a symbol of living with Christ in our lives, with Christ in our hearts, and as a desire to follow him as our leader, as our king, as our captain. It's a wonderfully exciting thing to do, and it happens the moment you become a Christian. The moment you become a Christian, God saves you and transforms you, forgives you and frees you. And then baptism is the outward sign, the outward symbol and ritual of an internal reality of what God's already done in our lives. It's amazing what we've heard from these guys and what Martin shared for us. I think it's worthy of response. So we're going to stand together. We're going to sing a song uh, of response to God. And then I'll give us directions about where the pool is. Okay, so John, over to you.